Oye, eloeleros, I party. Tragos party, that is. The Tragos party games are here and they are the party games for Latinos. Created by a dynamic team of Latinas, Tragos Game and Get Loud, don't you love the name, were designed to connect Latinos of all generations and backgrounds, celebrating the similarities shared among all Latinos through hilarious gameplay. Whether playing Tragos, a drinking party game for adults, or engaging the whole familia in the competitive Get Loud, these games are guaranteed to bring fun to your holidays this year. Tragos Game and Get Loud are both easy to play and can be enjoyed with two or more players. And guess what, mi gente? They are available at all Targets nationwide and on Target.com. They're also accessible on Amazon. Go to Amazon and look for Tragos Game Also, look for the episode of Latinos Out Loud where we interview founder Carolina and head of marketing Aralis of the Tragos family. Ay, party! Yo te lo dije. Hi, my name is actually Michelle O'Donna. Um, I'm oh, you're not Rachel. Yeah, no, Michelle. I'm here on behalf of Rachel's Latinos Out Loud podcast. Um, thank you so much for being here with me today. Um, I honestly was reviewing um, your project today and it just brought so many memories and feelings back and I have so many questions. Um, so first of all, thank you so much for putting your, you know, your time and efforts into this project. I think specifically for the Latino community in New York City where we are from and where we are located and based, um, it's very interesting to see kind of like the research, the studies, the facts. And um, I, I just have questions on how to even bring that to my community. So I definitely want to start with uh, asking about how did Shot in the Arm come to be? How did, did you think about this before the pandemic? Did you think about oh, yeah. it during, yeah? I want to hear more about that. <clears throat> Thank you so much. Did you say you're, you're in New York? Yes. Nice, yeah, we're, we're at his office at the American Museum of Natural History on the Upper West Side. Okay, so, okay. New York, and I lived here for a long time. I love this town. Love, love, love this town. Mm -hmm. Great to be back. Um, so, yes, this started when New York City, a year before COVID, had a state of emergency in the Orthodox Jewish community in Brooklyn. And there was a state of emergency in Washington State on the other coast. And there were pockets of measles outbreaks all across Europe. And this is all 2019, a year before we were talking about COVID. In California, too. In California. Yeah. And, um, and I want to know why this is happening, right? So I did a little bit of research. Uh, we will talk on this interview, I'm sure, about the dangers of the quote, do your own research. I did do my own research, humbly, as a start. And I could found very easily that the science said that we had almost eliminated measles in 2000. We were going to eliminate it. We'd stayed on that course of MMR, measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine. So why is this coming back in 2019? And I reached out to Dr. Paul Offit, was the first doctor I, I found who I'd seen on a podcast and is a vaccinologist and very, very informed in this and a wonderful communicator. And he said, Scott, it's dangerously simple. There are people out there spreading misinformation, disinformation, lying to parents and um, scaring them into not getting their kids vaccinated and then lowering the, um, the herd immunity And if you lower it enough, you will see measles. It's not, a, it's not a matter of if, it's a matter of when. So that started the journey of a film that I thought was quite valid. That I, He introduced me to Tony Fauci before he became Super Fauci, and he introduced me to Peter Otez and other wonderful leaders in the public health That's sphere. before he became Ouchie Fauci. Ouchie, Ouchie Fauci. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ouchie and, Fauci. Uh, and, but I also wanted to film the people who are these 
these uh, merchants of disinformation. And I filmed with uh, Andrew Wakefield, who we consider sort of the OG of the anti-vax movement, uh, with his terrible, retracted, fraudulent study that attempted to make a connection between measles, mumps, and rubella vaccine and autism. Completely false, but it took nine years to retract the study. Mm. So sadly, people like Jenny McCarthy became a believer in it. She was even featured on Oprah and these like terrible mistakes that were made because it looked like there was scientific validity. She was featured on Oprah for that reason. Correct. Yes, yes. Correct. Mm -hmm. And so it spread and, 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 and the damage it had done outweighed the retraction and the evidence of how awful he was was the dangerous thing. So then you meet uh, Del Bigtree, who is one of the most prolific, uh, prolific is not the right word, but successful voices on the interwebs for anti-vaccine sentiment. And he says one of the most iconic lines in the movie in 2019, he says to me, oh, measles this and measles that, and they're not dangerous. And, you know, water could be harmful if you don't take it correctly. Great point, Del. And he says, if, if Ebola was sweeping the country, talk to me then. 2019, cut to you see where it's going COVID he doesn't change his tune um, and we filmed at the top of the pyramid of the anti-vax pyramid is Robert Kennedy Jr. so all that's in 2019 and we thought we had a very worthy scary interesting complex film and then COVID happened oh. and it went to this whole other uh, whole other level and we're, we had to film from lockdown and I decided to include my family in that it's just a little bit as you related to the every the all of us that we all have this this universal experience of the the horrors and strangeness of, of the of the pandemic and, and lockdown, and um, yeah, so it went from being a, a COVID and anti-vax movie and really became a zeitgeist movie, a social contract movie, and we've been very grateful. And now it's become a healing film with the with audiences. That it's a film that says hope to the public health community and all of us, following the truth and following science and following the hard work of public health. It's worth it. Decency is worth it. So we've come to use the term countering disinformation with decency. So yeah. it's been a heck of a journey and so gr- grateful to have my, my partner here helping uh, helping f- fine tune the film and, and help me bring the film to the world. Yes. Okay. He doesn't talk much. To okay. Me. <laughs> He's very shy, actually. Okay. Got it. You were on a roll. I didn't know. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, wow. Thank you so much for that explanation. That is truly like it, it seems like it snowballed into something way bigger than um what yeah. was anticipated and congratulations on, you know, being able to adapt with every crazy change that came your way. Um I want to think on and talk about, you know, the resistance we have as humans. That was kind of a huge theme throughout mm-hmm. the the mm-hmm. project and I'm thinking specifically again about the Latinx community, the Latinx community. I know there was a lot of, you know, disbelief and folks are getting their information from WhatsApp, um, Facebook. That's right. And and so in a way, I, I wanted to think about how do I bring information to my communities? Um, I, I'm also cognizant and understanding of folks that are from marginalized and disenfranchised communities that have seen things like Tuskegee happen and just have this great disbelief with even government or science or understanding that, you know, even like black communities and like black women we understand and know that they're treated differently sometimes by medical professionals and so thinking about how do we bring that information into our communities where there's so much resistance um to all these other institutions 
Thank you. Yeah, I, a great I, question. I would say that I, I don't know that I can comment on people's trust in the government specifically, although NASA is a branch of the government. Just you know, just consider that. Yeah. Uh, the so the U.S. Those are garbage. So those are water. No, no, that's, that's I'm talking about federal government. There you go. Okay. Uh, uh, and the military is a branch of the government. And so uh, these are two uh, these are two places where efficient decisions get made. Um, people trust what the arguments are. You can question them, but then they'll come back with right, well, let's look at NASA for a moment. Um, so now you can say, well, if you don't trust science, really, all right, uh, give me your iPhone and live without it. Mm. Okay? <laughs> you don't trust science, uh, don't fly home to your relatives. Okay? Because... Don't use this technology. Because the plane is based on science and technology. Don't use your laptop. Don't, don't use any of that. Because you don't trust science. Don't drink this water. Why not? Could be toxic. <laughs> we have systems in place. We have systems in place to make sure that the way the plastic was. Sorry, Fiji, no advertising. But we got our fresh water from the Catskills here. Yeah. I don't know where you come from. Well, well I, it comes just been reused twenty five times. Everybody, I'm not okay. Right. Okay. <laughs> travel. This is only to travel. With. Anyhow, here we go. I'll be quiet. I'll just be over here. Anyhow, uh, the point is, uh, we are living twice as long as people as recently as the early eighteen hundreds. What matters here is in the early 1800s, we were only living slightly longer than we were when we were living in caves. Wow. So for 30,000 years, uh, half of all people born were dead before 30, the age of 30. Not 40, 30. Well, yeah, low 30s, yeah, yeah, yeah. low 30s. Jesus. Okay. And so this is, and since then, because of investments in science as applied to human health, and especially the value of vaccines to preventing illness and death, we have doubled and even tripled life expectancy. And you're not even thinking about that. You're just living your life. Naturally. Like, it's, it makes sense that we don't think about these. We take these uh, things for granted. Under, like, you're, you're living your life, yeah. and you, you are... The science is happening without itself... Adver without advertising itself to right, you. Right, right. Okay? So, to all of a sudden turn around and say, science produces a vaccine just to keep you out of the hospital and to reduce your chances of dying. And you say, well, I don't trust the science. I don't trust it. What are you basing that on? Oh, you're basing it on this charismatic person who is sowing doubt within you. Whether or not that charismatic person has medical expertise... You should ask, what is the mainstream medical community saying? What is mainstream medical community? Somebody gets a result, and we don't know if it's true yet. Someone else checks it. It gets rechecked. It gets verified. Maybe it gets falsified. But once you get repeated, it becomes an objective truth that is then shared with you by someone with that task, the head of that agency or whatever. But the head of that agency is not peddling their own pet idea of what is true. They're sharing with you a consensus, not of opinions, a consensus of, of, of 
research and observation that tells you how this natural world works as it intersects the experiments that are done. So, oh, by the way, when the institution speaks, that person is not charismatic like the other person you found <laughs> right. on the internet. You don't even know the names of the people who did the research. This is not put out in public. So there's a difference. There's no TikTok dance? In the, in, the, in the marketing, there's a difference in the marketing that goes on with the solo people who are sowing doubts within you and the larger institutions that are tasked with taking, making decisions in the interest of your health. What I, one of the most important parts of the film is when Offit says he's on the vaccine safety board. Right. You just hear him talk about this. He's vaccine skeptic. Skeptic, He's correct. Vaccine skeptic to make sure he puts it through the ringer. And if I may, if I may, to your, to, to your, to, that was all obviously incredibly important. But we, I do want to get to your, to your question as well, which is, <clears throat> there are communities that have valid evidence from Tuskegee to other uh, experiences with doctors where there's huge Tuskegee is an awful, awful situation, and thank goodness there's some lemonade from it that it changed the safety rules. It changed uh, the right to consent, all these things that, thank goodness, and other doctors point that out in the film. But there are valid reasons for these communities of color to have concerns, to be skeptical. And, and we are- so And there are different reasons than the liberal left that was just anti-pharma were right. spooked by, by Andrew Wakefield's paper. And there's different reasons from the conservative right who are saying, freedom! Right. You've got some people saying freedom in the woods, right. where, where they don't want the government to require that you get a vaccine. By the way, the government doesn't require it. Mm -hmm. You can go become a survivalist out in the woods, and no one is going to chase you down to vac vaccinate you. Yeah. But the moment you want to live among us, yes. right. in what we call civilization... In an awesome city like New York. <laughs> uh, in civilization... You are a participant, you're not a loner, you're a participant in rules, explicit and implicit, about how to live and how to treat fellow human beings. And one of them is, if you have a communicable disease that could kill someone, you don't hang out with them. Or you get vaccinated so that you can. Right. And that's how that unfolded. And there's a, just one more piece of the, the, the communities of color response to, to science there's a sub story in the film about Samoa and this tragedy right. in Samoa two babies die from a mistake about the MMRs. and I'll do the very very short version of it where it turned into a measles outbreak there because the prime minister stopped all vaccines thankfully and it turned into 5,000 cases of measles and almost 100 dead babies and the, and the prime minister changed his mind but let's talk about the parents of the two the two the Samoan parents who lost their babies to this mistake with a, uh, a vaccine, with a muscle relaxant being mixed in instead of saline water to this vaccine. And then when the measles outbreak happened, they could have been very cynical. We talk about a lot with this film, this difference between skeptical and cynical. So, uh, so a community of color being skeptical of the, of the uh, public health community, great. But they becoming cynical is a dangerous thing. They could have, this family lost their child and they could have been so, um, could have been revengeful against public health. And they didn't do that. They saw that this was a mistake and then they saw that the vaccine was going to stop this horrible outbreak. 
they went on the news and they said, please get vaccinated. And that's the beautiful potential of what we can do as human beings is to take all of the information and say, I, I want to be skeptical. I don't want to be cynical. I want to make the best decisions for all involved. So. Wow. Thank you so much. Um, my last kind of note here would be like the ending of the of the documentary really brought back all these feelings of like things getting canceled. Like I was at Cornell spring 2020. I was about to graduate. <laughs> um, that was the no, and you know, and that's OK. <laughs> um, but it was just thinking about, wow, like we've really come so far and just recently this year um thinking about the subway kind of spacing things in the subway being taken off um my last quick little question is how what do you want people to walk away um after seeing this film yeah thank you um thank you for for the i'm so glad that the uh, every one of us uh moved you it was a very important part of uh, our process especially in that that conclusion and we're so grateful that we got the David Bowie's uh, amazing song, uh, uh, Ground Control to Major Tom. Space Oddity. Space Oddity. Um, and, uh, and the thing we want the, an audience, I'll go first, or that we want an audience to walk away with is hopefully that they see it as a healing film, that they see it as a film. It's a warning film, for sure. It's a warning about disinformation. But it's also a healing film that says science is worth it, decency is worth it, and public health is worth it. And there are so many more of us that tried to do right by the social contract, that tried to do right by what you just described about being a citizen in a functioning society. And let's let's remember that going forward, that there's there's a lot of difficulties they have, and it might get worse before it gets better in terms of disinformation and, and lack of decency. But there's so many more of us that want to try and do the best, and I hope it continues that conversation. Yeah, I would say uh, the scope of the film rose up higher than what was the original concept you know it would have been a just fine measles film right, right? Would, would, that would have worked but it became more uh, empathetic than that it became more societal than that and i'd like people to come away saying this is the cost of anti-science yes sentiment because yes. anti-science manifests in many other ways beyond this film there's a cost yeah people saying you know flat earth anti um uh anti-climate change this sort of thing so this the anti-science sentiment this is one branch of it and i want people to step back and say oh my gosh this 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 whole attitude towards science is dangerous for the survival of civilization if they take that away i think we've succeeded Perfect. Thank you so much for your time. I know we're a little over time, but thank you so much for ch chatting okay. with uh, Latinos Out Loud podcast. Uh, have a great right. rest of your day. Thank you.